It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast. Hello, you're listening to the Mermaid Podcast, and I'm your host, Laura Von Holt, the fairy boss mother of Cinderly. Hello, mer friends. We are back with a very cool episode. Uh, you might have heard there's this Aquaman movie coming out, and it's starring ah, Jason Momoa, a personal favorite of the podcast. So we've been seeing the trailers for this movie, and you might be wondering, what does Aquaman have to do with mermaids? And well, we kind of figured any guy that was the king of the seven seas and hung out underwater was somebody who we might want to know more about. So we found the perfect person, Aquaman expert Rob Kelly of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, to explain to us everything about Aquaman and put it in terms that a mermaid could understand. It is always awesome to talk to somebody who knows really what they're talking about and who has a great love of something. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear this deep dive that we did into the world of Aquaman, why he's relevant today, um, what his superpowers are, and uh, what he kind of has in common with the mermaids that you might know and love. So I'm so excited to bring this to you, and I can't wait to see the movie, and thank you so much to Rob for coming on the podcast. I think you're going to love it. Speaking of things you love, we talk a lot about mermaid books and products on this podcast, and so I made a mermaid gift guide and a list of books that we have featured and put them all on our new Amazon Influencer page. That's right, we are a mermaid influencer! The link to those lists will be in the show notes and on our Instagram bio, and it is a great way to support the podcast because if you buy something on our recommendation, we get a little cut, which helps us to make more podcasts. Yay! Another thing that's going to be on that list is the Easy to Bake a Unicorn Cookbook, which is doing very well. People are loving it. The unboxing videos, the pictures they're posting of things they made are so cute. We love to see people having fun and using their imagination and making things with a unicorn cookbook with the holiday season coming up it is a great gift to give and you can get it on our amazon influencer page or also on unicorncookbook.com okay let's get to the show i'm here today with rob kelly my personal aquaman expert the only one i know <laughs> um, and rob would you let the people know who you are and how you came to know so much about aquaman <laughs> uh well i've been an aquaman fan since i was a child uh, during the 70s the long ago 70s when i saw him <laughs> on the super friends cartoon and i've been reading aquaman comics my whole life and for the past uh, seven years, I've been co-hosting a podcast called the Fire and Water Podcast, which is a dual show about Aquaman and Firestorm, which are the two favorite characters of me and my co-host, Deer and Damon Bullshag. And then we have then built a network of podcasts around that called the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plus, I ran a blog called the Aquaman Shrine for 10 years where I wrote about Aquaman like every single day and now – the Aquaman Shrine also exists as a Twitter feed out there. You can go. I think we have like 10,000 followers or some ridiculous yes. number. So, yeah, Aqu Aquaman has been the, the, the main nerd preoccupation of my life uh, for the past uh, 40 years. Do, like, do they know about you? I feel like you should be like coming over to like DC's house or something. <laughs> like they're kind of I agree. Uh, <laughs> like, you're like the yeah, fan. <laughs> yeah, they, they do know about me. They've kind of you sort of 
consulted me or asked me for things when they need me, and then otherwise they've ignored me. So it's been kind of a weird hmm. uh, love-ignore relationship with DC Comics, as it were. But I, but I have had uh, the very good fortune to interview a great number of people that have worked on the character. I've interviewed some of the actors that have played him on yeah. cartoons or on TV. So I've I no complaints there. I've had some really great relationships with the people who did the comic books I read as a child, which is incredibly rewarding. So that's been terrific. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, well, I'm super excited to talk to you today because I don't really know anything about Aquaman. I mean, I had heard of him and I saw Justice League. Um, but when the trailer for the the most recent trailer for the movie came out, I felt really silly because I was watching it and I was like, wait, I would be totally into this. This has all the like aquatic mythology I could ever want. <laughs> um, and I was, and we've been covering on this podcast so much um, made mythology and legends and other entertainment and so i was like i need to find somebody who can interpret aquaman for a mermaid person um and kind of <laughs> give me like a lay of the atlantis land um so i'm gonna kind of assume that the people listening to this might only have as much information as i do maybe a little bit more um so for people who don't really know anything about aquaman could you just give them a brief overview of um the character and um his world and some just basic things so we have a framework sure uh very briefly aquaman has been around as a comic book character since the 1940s he debuted in 1941 mm-hmm. that version uh is is not a son of a lighthouse keeper and the, the heir to the king uh, the heir to the throne of atlantis he was a experimented on by his father to breathe underwater and stuff and that's that was that version and then in the 1960s uh they revamped his origin into the origin that basically everybody knows now where he is like i said he's the the heir to the throne of atlantis he's the 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 son of the queen of atlantis and um he he's always been published in one form or the other while in the 50s characters like the flash and green lantern and hawkman disappeared and they were rebooted as new versions aquaman stayed around he was always he was never a cover feature um aquaman did not appear on the cover of a comic book for the first 18 years of his existence whoa yeah, that's he was unfair. A, yeah, he was always a backup feature, <laughs> okay. and then uh, they tapped him to be one of the founding members of the Justice League of America, and that really pushed him into kind of a new fame. Then he got his own comic book in the '60s. He got a cartoon show, uh, a filmation by filmation in the late '60s, and then he, of course he appeared in the Super Friends oh. in the '70s. And at that point, he's basically always been around, but. You know, he's had a bit of a reputation problem as, you know, the guy that talks to fish. I hate even (laughs) using that joke because it's so old, but that's really what's happened. And then uh, around uh, 2011, they revamped him thanks to the writer Jeff Johns, who's a big deal now in DC Comics and DC Films and stuff. And artists um, uh, Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, Jeff Johns was a big Aquaman fan, and he, he wanted to make Aquaman a big deal. So... Combine that with his uh, his love of Aquaman's uh, girlfriend slash wife character Mira, mm-hmm. they really he really took those two and pushed them forward. And basically, Aquaman's been a big deal ever since. And Warner Brothers decided at some point to make him one of the tent poles of their of their film franchise. Mm-hmm. And so that leads us to because uh, you mentioned he was in Justice League, he has a yeah. cameo in Batman v Superman, and now he's is a genuine movie star. Yeah, that is cool. I was um I was noticing in Justice League when uh, the villain is Steppenwolf. Am I right? Yeah. Um, yeah. my kind of favorite part about that movie was I paid attention when all of a sudden there was underwater scenes. Um, <laughs> was that uh it was really hard for Steppenwolf to fight underwater. 
And I was like, yeah, now we're getting somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, you can't do this underwater with your fire. (laughs) Um, So this is awesome. I kind of love that we're dealing with a character who's having a renaissance. Um, To tie it with some mermaid stuff, there is some mermaid renaissance stuff coming up. Um, There's a new show on Siren, I mean, on Freeform called Siren, which kind of deals with mermaids as monsters. Um, So they're a lot more vengeful than the usual, like, pretty mermaid that's combing her hair or something. So I'm excited to deal with a character that, um, is like on the t- on the top of his game. <laughs> um, and how's, yeah. how's that for you, like as a fan? Oh, it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's sort of funny in that I was like a mega fan, and I started the blog right at the point where he was at like almost one of his lowest ebbs, and it oh. became kind of like a joke. And that was something that I it was it was a line that I kind of had in the back of my head that I could use when whenever somebody asked because it was like. You know, in the in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and you said, like, somebody said, who's your favorite character? And you're like, Batman or Spider-Man. Yeah. Nobody's going to question that right. because they were kind of considered cool. But you say Aquaman, people are like, really? Aquaman? And it, that character always appealed to me as a child because, and I've mentioned on my show and other places, that, like, I was always afraid of the water, like, oh. the sharks and, like, all that stuff. It was always very intimidating. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy that, like, commands all that, which is, like, amazing. And... One of the things about his character that I always really liked was that he was like he cared about the earth and he cared about the creatures of the sea. Those were his friends and the stories where some villain would like kill one of the sharks, you know, that was like protecting argument. Aquaman really took that personally and yeah. that that kind of like toughness, but also sensitive like that appealed to me as a child and appeals to me as an adult. And also one of the things I always thought about Aquaman that was really untapped was, you know. He is, he has this, as, and James Wan, the director of Aquaman, is, is suggesting in the movie, from the trailers at least we've seen, there is an entire whole world down there yeah. that you can put Aquaman in, and it, it's, it, it, there's so much story potential down yeah. there. And there are so many side characters. I already mentioned Mira. There's his sidekick Aqualad, who has now grown up and to become another superhero. There has been multiple versions of Aqua Girl. There's just all of this stuff that you could really tap into and some writers have and some haven't but i always thought there was a lot more potential there and so it's been nice to see that a lot of writers now are like wow yeah there's a lot more going on here than we ever would have guessed so yeah i do it it almost feels like it's not mine anymore not that it ever was Mm -hmm. but when i was the when i was a fan that nobody cared about him it was it was kind of cool and now it's more like well he's a movie star you know it's not my thing anymore he's he's gone off go go fly arthur you know do yeah that, that's that's really cool. I love too what you're saying about him being the proponent for the environment um, and having like a whole underwater world that's explored because I think that's what's interesting to people is to think of like uh, kind of a mirror a mirror universe that's underwater and like you know it's on our same planet but it's also a completely different world um, is cool to think about. Can you tell us a little bit about like his powers and can you tell us about Atlantis and I also. I'm not clear, but is the movie going to be kind of his origin story? Because I have a lot of questions about that. Well, I don't exactly know. I okay. have done my best to stay away from. I saw the first trailer just because uh-huh. I was I had to cover it for my show. Mm-hmm. But short of that, I don't want to know anymore because it's like you've saw. I'm going to see this movie. You don't yeah. need this trailer. Doesn't need <laughs> so when they released like that six minute version yep. with like all of the, I was like I'm staying away from that. I just want to see the movie. Got it. Uh, but as far as I know, they are going to get into the origin of of you know, how he came to be and stuff like that. Cause they only hint about that in justice league. Yeah. And they mentioned it very briefly in Batman v Superman. Basically his power set is he's super strong, mm-hmm. can swim super fast. 
uh, and he has mental telepathy where he doesn't so much control um, uh, the, the creatures of the sea or, or related because, I mean, obviously he can also control like uh, seagulls. Uh-huh. And turtles and frogs and lots of car- lots of uh, life forms that don't quote unquote live in the sea. So they've never quite drawn that line. It's okay. always been sort of like, well, it's if they are sea adjacent, uh-huh. he can sort of talk to them. But he can he can talk to them. But again, he doesn't command them as he so much. He is the king of the seven seas. So they look at him as their 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 god almost, and they do what he asks them to do. And there is a, there's one particular story from 1980 written by the great comic book writer J.M. Demetrius, who who sort of repositioned the idea that these sea creatures don't do things for Aquaman out of uh, because they're he's their boss, mm-hmm. but it's because they love him. They respect him. Mm-hmm. He is their protector. And that I have always hooked into that as one of my favorite things of like it's they love him. It's it's the it's the similar to like the love like your dog or your cat has for oh, you. Okay. You yeah. know? And so that is something I, I've always liked. Now they Different writers have played fast and loose with his power. Some writers have suggested that he has the power of uh, to control human minds because mm-hmm. obviously we have some genetic uh, overlap with sea creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, some writers have chosen to you know use that, and some have not. Uh, but I mean, and again, other some like Jeff Johns makes him very powerful in terms of his raw strength. Okay. Some some writers in the '60s, he was you know, barely stronger than a normal human. But in, like, say, Jeff Johns, he can go toe-to-toe with Superman. Oh, wow. Yeah, it really all depends on on how, you know, what the writer feels like like, uh, doing with him. Okay. Can you tell us about Atlantis and Atlanteans? Because um, coming from my background, I'm like, ooh, they all have legs. Um, But, like, were they always, they were, they're sunken, they were used to be above water. Like, what's their deal? Yeah, they are. I mean, it is quite literally the lost city of Atlantis. Okay. Over time, over millennia, two different races of uh, of Atlanteans grow, and there is the one uh, section of Atlanteans that have mermaid tails. Like Ooh. they are, they are, they are mermen and mermaids. Are okay. you familiar with the character Lori Lamaris? Have you ever heard of that character? Um, yes. Oh wait, doesn't she and Superman have a thing? Yes. Yes, I've she seen, was Superman. I've seen some of one that. Of the- Yes, a, a woman from Superman's past. She's an Atlantean, but okay. she has a mermaid tail. And okay. so, and then there are these the other race, which are walk around with legs and, and look more like humans and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, Aquaman is the son of of Atlanta, Atlanta, which mm-hmm. was the queen of Atlantis, okay. and a a a surface dweller, a lighthouse keeper named Thomas Curry. And she was thrown out of Atlantis, and he rescues her. And they have this relationship, and they give birth to this son, who is again the the, the heir to the throne of Atlantis. Now, cool. his origin has been changed over times, but okay. the, the the one that the one that I sort of follow the most, because to me it's my favorite, and it's the one I grew up on, okay. is that uh, a- after when Atlanta died, mm-hmm. she revealed she revealed to her husband who she was, and I'm the I'm from this from this underwater uh, group of race of people. Mm-hmm. My son is the your you know our son is going to be going to grow up to be the king of Atlantis. Thomas Curry eventually marries again, uh-huh. and he marries a surface dweller woman, and they have another son named Orm. And this kid is quote unquote kind of normal. He doesn't have any special powers, and he always grows up in the shadow of his super powered brother. And Orm later becomes Ocean Master, and that's the character played in the movie by Patrick Wilson. Oh. Now. In the movie version, he is also descended from Atlanta, I believe. That's why okay. he claims to have 
uh, dominion over Atlantis. And that's, I think that's the basic, the, the conceit of the movie is that the, it's the fight for the throne of Atlantis. Got it. Okay. Huh. But I, I like it better what you're saying. I like it that he's just like a normal <laughs> guy that then is like, no, like kind of like his arrogance makes him a villain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, who can't relate? Who can't relate to sibling rivalry? Totally. You know? <laughs> totally. So, yeah. I think in my family, I'm the Orm. <laughs> like, right, yeah. like, uh, um, so do other Atlanteans have powers or is it only like the royal family? No, for the most part, Atlanteans have other have powers. I don't think you know. It's funny they never really got into that a whole lot, but it's because of Aquaman's royal lineage that uh, again he has the the the, the con- control or dominion or whatever you want to call of of the the Finney friends. But yeah, you know, it's funny now that you say that they haven't really got into that too much of whether can other Atlanteans like go tell a walrus what to do. I don't know. Right. I, I think <laughs> Well, and so okay so his so but in every story his mother dies that's and essentially yeah that's essentially, that's the okay. ongoing thread is that she dies and and he then finds out that he who he really is so so she dies when he's like old enough to find out that he um is an heir yeah it's a okay. classic sort of deathbed son i have some secrets to tell you now that i'm now that i'm about to die kind of thing Perfect. again the, his origin has been changed a lot over the years but james wan uh seems to be sort of calling from the 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 more modern sheen version done by jeff johns who okay. took the classic origin and then retweaked it a little bit but that seems to be what they're what they're going with and so his mother and so his mother got kicked out does that change does do we know why does it do we ever find out is it change um there's been several different reasons why they suggest why she was kicked out they they talk about that she um there's some been some versions where they wanted to kind of like um force her into a well like a you know like a forced marriage kind okay. of thing and she didn't want to do that and so they were like get out things like that there's been different versions over the years as to why exactly she was kicked out of atlantis and who rules atlantis while she's off having aquaman um different rulers okay. they different you know and the, the the one ongoing character that has been in all the iterations is this guy named volko who i believe is going to be in the movie played by willem dafoe mm-hmm. who is this kind of like right-hand man the guy that knows all the secrets i guess he would be the equivalent of like a white house chief of staff okay yeah uh, and he he looks at aquaman as no you're the rightful heir and so i'm going to kind of keep atlantis held together until you can come and claim it and rule it the way it meant to be it's meant to be ruled okay okay cool um that's fascinating i love this idea of like a queen that leaves and then comes back and like a guy not knowing that he's really like the ruler of the seven seas um this is all really cool so can you tell us a little bit more about mira and some other prominent atlanteans why well mira was introduced in the aquaman comic book mm-hmm. uh in the 60s she first appeared in aquaman number 11 uh which had, it was in uh, 1963 she was created by the writer jack miller and the artist nick cardi and she originally came from another dimension called zebel and she comes with all these powers and and they clearly if you go back and you read the old aquaman comics you see how fast they develop their relationship where they met he meets mira in like aquaman number 11 they start dating in like aquaman number 12 and they're married by number 19 and they have a baby by number 23 whoa so they clearly (laughs) jack miller clearly was was i guess hoping the writers would uh, not the writers excuse me the readers would like her but i think he had it planned from the beginning okay and that's, that's something that's pretty remarkable about uh the character was that they let Aquaman get married and have a baby. 
in which is you know they've never did that they didn't do that for superman yeah. batman wonder woman flat only uh the fantastic four reed richards and the invisible woman ever had a kid uh-huh. so that was they let aquaman develop in a way that most comic book superheroes don't get to develop because of course they don't want to age them yeah. i mean you know he was a super dad you know yeah. he, he's got powers and so they have changed mira's origin over time to where they've established that um, she comes from this again. She comes from this rival dimension, but the people that rule that dimension want to take over Atlantis, so they send Mira to assassinate Aquaman. Yeah, that, that's her original mission. But then she comes over and falls in love with Aquaman and oh. realizes uh, this guy's a good guy. She's like, she's this is been, so good. Yeah, <laughs> like, she's been brainwashed into into being told that this guy's evil, and she realizes no, he's actually a good man. I've been lied to this whole time. So she turns and becomes a traitor to her own people, and she decides to stay. Uh, in in our world and okay. rule at his side and they got married like as I mentioned in I think it's Aquaman number 19 and they stayed married they ran into some problems when their son was their their infant son was murdered by Black Manta oh, no. uh, Aquaman yeah Aquaman's number one foe and they kind of had an on again off again relationship when Jeff Johns rebooted the character in 2011 they got rid of that like they don't have a son anymore that's okay. that's that that was a that was a just wiped clean. That sounds like a dark continuity. time. <laughs> like, yeah. To yeah. Have it's a, a very, guy. very dark story. Yeah. Very dark story. When you think about that, they actually murdered an infant in yeah. an Aquaman comic book. Pretty, yeah, pretty dark stuff. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, but every writer has figured out that Mira is more than, I mean, it's sometimes she was written as kind of like the lowest lane mm-hmm. where she was sort of like the sidekick mm-hmm. and writers have a step realized over time. She is really as much of a character as Aquaman. And she got her own miniseries last year, which is the first time she ever headlined her own book. Um, So, you know, and you see from the trailer, Mm -hmm. um, she is just as big of a character in the, it's actually, she seems to be the driver of the story. That's what Uh, it looks like. Yeah, definitely. Amber Heard is bigger. She's the one who visits Arthur and she's like, Hey, I got this whole story for you. So everyone has realized that like Aquaman has benefited from having this very strong woman at his side. And they are clearly a, a, a equal partnership at this point. Uh-huh. Um, th- yeah, that's interesting because it's, it's, they're implying from what I've seen of the trailer that there's a time period between um, him losing his mother or being abandoned by his mother and a, a long time before he finds out that he's the heir. So he's right. kind of like a brooding loner, it seems like, in this story, which is just interesting to me to be like, you're totally alone and then you find out that you're supposed to inherit um, like all of the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, just in Justice League, we see that he is becoming. He's like the local protector of that little yeah. that little town up yeah. in wherever, like Scandinavia or Iceland yeah. or wherever the hell it is. And that's clearly like he knows he can do all these amazing things, and he's been given the name Aquaman, or they call him the Aquaman, I think. Yeah. But I mean, they're they're they'll obviously at this point in Justice League, he doesn't know about his origins, and he's going to learn all that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's where they're going. It it's very. I'm very excited because they, the underwater stuff that I saw in Justice League just made me very excited for like whatever they would do to film, um, to film for the big movie. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about like, I know there's a whole fandom for Aquaman, but I don't really know much about it. So like, what are people's general feelings about the movie versus the books? Like, what are they excited for? What are they missing? Like, you know, if we want to get deep into the fandom, how do we kind of acclimate ourselves? Well, the movies have had a rough start, uh, to say the least. Um, they have not really met with the same kind of embrace that the Marvel films have. Yeah. 
And so I think DC's kind of casting about a little. I One of the things that really gave me, I just for the sake of context, I really am not a fan of any of these movies except for Wonder Woman okay. for the most part. And um, I'm a little, I was initially a little skeptical of Jason Momoa as Aquaman because that's not kind of the Aquaman I grew up with. The mm-hmm. Aquaman I grew up with was not this kind of long-haired biker guy. Yeah. He was uh, this short-haired blonde guy, and he was uh, like a, a, a tactician and a smart guy, not this, yeah, kind of dude. Right. Um, but, okay, you know, we have to do with the versions that we get. Yeah. And I am, I'm heartened by the fact that James Wan, the director, said that he really wanted to make this get away from kind of the dark, brooding, kind of oppressive nature of, of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman mm-hmm. and make the Aquaman movie more of an adventure film. And that, you know, that appeals to me. Capital yeah. A adventure. I like, I mean, that was the name of the book that Aquaman appeared in for decades when yeah. he wasn't in his own book was called adventure comics. Um, and so I really hope that this movie is, is true to the character, but just fun, like just a fun adventure filled with sci-fi and stuff like that. That is what I am hoping that we get into the fandom you know, there are the, it sounds funny to say there are diehard Aquaman fans, but there are. Yeah, there are I the believe ones it. That have, that have known him since the beginning, since, yeah. since they were kids like me. And then there are the newer fans brought to the book, brought to the character. Again, Jeff Johns is really deserves a lot of credit because he came to Aquaman with a large fandom behind him. Yeah. Okay. And he is a big deal at DC. And he probably could have written any character he wanted to. I mean, if he had gone to DC, I wanted write Batman. They would have given him Batman. Okay. But he, he chose Aquaman. And so I think he brought a lot of fans with him. And a lot of these fans that initially were kind of like Aquaman saw what they were doing and were like, wow, this is really good. This is really interesting. And so the movie seems to be borrowing a lot from the visual style of, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned Ivan Reese and Joe Prado, who were the, the penciler and inker respectively of the Aquaman title under Jeff Johns. Um, I know that um, there are these characters called the Trench, which are these kind of like human-sized piranha, basically. Yeah, yeah they're going to be, I'm pretty sure uh, there's some scenes in the movie that they're going to feature the trend. So it really does seem to be borrowing heavily from the last couple of beavers of Aquaman. And I'm, that's, I'm fine with that. I mean, I love Aquaman so much that I am happy that he will be around forever at this point. He's so popular and he's such a, a, a popular IP. I hate to be so cynical about it, but he really is. That's how Warner Brothers looks at these characters that he will always be around. There was a point where they literally killed him off in the mid 2000s. Oh, wow. And I thought maybe they'll never bring him back. But luckily, that hasn't happened. And now he'll be around forever. And I'm very happy about that. Even if this version isn't really the one that I want. Yeah, I'm still okay with that. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I totally understand what you're saying. It's it's exciting to see something like have a like a resurgence or something, but also um, everyone kind of tells the story differently or in their own way. Um, just listening to, you, I'm actually very curious. I hadn't thought about how you translate a visual style from a comic book to a movie is very important. And there's a whole there's a whole lot of people um, people's work to look back on and choose and pick. And I, I'm just curious to see how they do that. Um, I wish there was like a version or maybe there's a DVD version when you watch it where they're like, they borrowed this wave from like this comic, you know, that would be yeah. so cool. Right? If they did that, like a pop-up video version and you could like show the panels and be like, Hey, here's yeah. this, this, this Easter egg is a reference to this. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's, there it's is kind of like um, for Disney's sleeping beauty. There is one DVD version I saw where like they were like um these trees in the forest we borrowed from these renaissance paintings oh that's cool yeah i like that yeah that's great 
I'm like, well, if they hear this podcast, we're looking for it. Um, I wanted to go back to like the origin, origin um, during World War II, and this all just dovetails with my personal interest. So, do you have any knowledge or info? I know that it, in World War II was um, they were kind of doing some early amphibious recon for um, D-Day operations and stuff like that. And do you know if there's any like real world inspiration for Aquaman based on like early Navy SEALs or Marines? I have never heard that. Um, the the man that uh, that that co created Aquaman was Mort. His name is Mort Weinzinger. He also created Green Arrow, by okay. the way, that character. And and it actually um, just a fun fact: Aquaman and Green Arrow debuted in the very same comic book. Oh. Um, so that was a pretty good book for DC because they yeah. got a lot of use out of it. Seventy <laughs> years later, they're still getting these. I mean, there's one's a TV star and one's a movie star. Yeah. But um, I really think, and not, again, not to be kind of cynical about it, but the the I think the the reality of it was. Comic books, especially superhero comic books, in the late 30s, thanks to Superman, were exploding. I mean, yeah. it was a whole genre that had never existed. And I think every company was just creating, we got to have our strong guy, we got to have our this, we got to have our that. And Marvel, in 1939, had created the Submariner, mm -hmm. which was their half their Atlantean character who lived under the sea and had superpowers. <laughs> and I really think that DC probably went to Mort Weinzinger, who was a writer slash editor, mm -hmm. and just said, look, we need a, we need a water character. We need our version of a water character. So him and the writer, him and the artist Paul Norris came up with this Aquaman character. And for the first four years of Aquaman stories, he's just kicking Nazi butt. That's yeah! All <laughs> that is, I mean, every story is him defending uh, the coasts from Nazi, you know, Nazi infiltration. Okay. And of course, you know, you have lots of characters in, in forties comics fighting, you know, helping out the war effort. Well, yeah. there was of course the Pacific war and there was the war of the sea of submarines. And so it's a natural idea to say, well, if we have Superman on, you know, uh, taking on uh, Nazi planes yeah. and we have these other heroes taking on Nazis on the ground. Well, what about the Nazis that are in subs and are yeah. trying to get into our coast? Well, we got to have a superhero there. And it's so funny because that early version of Aquaman is such He's so full of joy, and he loves dispensing pain Aww. because in every issue, every issue, he is either shooting a tar shooting a harpoon in the stomach of a Nazi, yes. grabbing a Nazi's head and smashing his teeth into like a, a gun turret, throwing in the very first story, the very first story, he grabs a grenade and mm -hmm. throws it into a cabin and blows up like five Nazis. Yeah. So, I need I need to get these titles from you because I'm so into this. He <laughs> like, is just completely like he's a bloodthirsty. You know? He is just like this is great. And at the end of every story, whatever town he's in is like Aquaman. We want to thank you. We want to give you a medal. We want to give you. And he's like, no, 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 thanks necessary. I just want to go bust more Nazi heads. And he just jumps into the water and takes off. It's like it's it's really considering what a big deal we make about superheroes that kill nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> that early version, man, he is just like, I, I got to kill as many Nazis as I can, man. It's fun. Um, that makes me think that like all his tattoos are actually just like kill marks. Um, from and, in the movie. You know, it yeah. would surprise me, you know, like maybe you should have the Jason Momo and it has like the word proud boy with a slash. Yeah, exactly. I'm down for it. Um, I'm going to want to read those ones. Um, so that kind of brings me actually to probably one of my last questions, um, which is now that we have some idea of the start of him, um, in every um, superhero iteration, um, you know, as they change through time or as writers change them, there's kind of a message for our current culture or a reflection of our current culture. And I wanted to know what your thoughts were on like what, like 
Aquaman now, what he means for now in the world that we are in. That's something that I think has always been really dormant in the character, and I don't think DC has exploited it. Um, I mean, DC Comics over the years, and and Marvel too, and other characters, have certainly used superheroes as a way to instruct kids. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's there's a uh, a comic book, uh, there's a Batman comic book where he taught where he deals with like landmines, like the, Mm -hmm. the, the 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 destruction that that we that these landmines have done and that are laid all over Europe and things like that. And Russia and things like that, and of course we are facing, uh, you know, global climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are facing, uh, you know, pot- potentially economic and excuse me, not economic, well, also economic, yeah. but <laughs> environmental catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And to me, Aquaman is the character best suited to be on the front lines of that argument. And mm-hmm. some writers have used him for that, and some have not. Um, I. I would love it if they would embrace that part of the character and make him be someone who is like, you know, dealing with these issues, whether it be, um, you know, you publish like a series of PSA comics and you distribute them to, to, to children so they learn about this stuff uh-huh. or, or you'd be a little more subtle about it. I don't know. But I always felt that Aquaman, because he has such an ecological bent, mm-hmm. is could really be a great ambassador for introducing to children that idea of what it means to take care of the planet that you live on and things like that and so i hope maybe as he gets more popular yeah they find a way to do that they really haven't done that yet but i i I think he does speak to the moment more than any other character yeah he really does can speak to that idea of hey look we're we're overfishing in this area you know we're getting rid of uh, we're killing sharks and those are apex predators and we need apex predators Mm -hmm. and whales and all that other kind of stuff and so uh, yeah i th- i think that a, l- of a lot of characters he really does fit the moment that we're living in mm-hmm. i think that's so interesting because um i don't know if you know this but there are thousands of professional mermaids um in the u.s alone that perform at birthday parties or they do underwater modeling or they're free divers and a lot of their work because they they perform so much for kids um is being an ambassador of the ocean as well of like teaching kids about the ocean and taking care of the planet so i think you're totally right that um aquaman could you know fit right into that and that would be a awesome role for him in this day and age yeah, I think that's terrific. I mean, that's how I mean that's how you learn. So when I was a kid and I watched the Super Friends, they used to do uh, one iteration of the show. They used to do these little interstitials where they would have the Super Friends teach you like health tips and safety mm-hmm. tips. Yeah, and like I still remember those things. You know, it was like when you approach a strange dog, don't pet it immediately. Put your hand out, let it sniff your hand, totally. or like you know, that's how you taught. Yeah, that's how these kids learn this stuff. And like you and I've mentioned this on other podcasts where uh, where like. When I was a kid, again, like mm-hmm. Batman would use a phrase. And if I didn't understand that phrase, I would look it up or ask my parents what it meant because it was important to me because yeah. it was important to Batman. Yeah. So if Batman used the phrase modus operandi, I'm like, what does that mean? Dad, what does modus operandi mean? Because it meant something to Batman, which means it meant something to me. Right. And so I'm excited that Aquaman is going to be like a movie star level character. And I'm very heartened, but I think that DC is starting to get, no pun intended, it's sea legs under them. <laughs> yeah. movies, because everyone really loved the Wonder Woman movie. And yeah. I think they realized we, we can kind of turn away from these other movies that I don't think worked as well. So I'm hoping that Aquaman, the movie continues the forward motion of the DC universe as a cinematic thing. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, just before we wrap up, if after listening to this podcast, everyone's like, wait, hold on. Now I'm suddenly an, an incredible Aquaman fan. Where should they start? <laughs> like if they were just going to read, um, you know, one series or and just get into one thing before they saw the movie, what would you want them to read or look at? Luckily, there are a lot of trade paperbacks okay. collecting various Aquaman runs. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a book out there. It's a little pricey probably for the, a new fan, but there's a book called Aquaman, A Celebration of 75 Years, which collects different stories from all of you know the, all the years he's been around. Mm-hmm. But there are collections of the Jeff Johns and, and Ivan, uh, Ivan, uh, Ivan Reese run. Mm-hmm. There is a, there's a collection uh, from the 70s called um, uh, Death of a Prince, which are from the 70s, which is that story run i talked about where the the sun dies it's a little bit of a downer but they're really good stories Mm -hmm. but there was a lot of really great comics out there but i'd say if you're if you're coming into this brand new and you just want to learn i would say that jeff john's aquaman number one they started the book over at number one and um, those have been collected those are probably a really good place because it's tonally it's similar to what you're going to see in the movie he doesn't look exactly like him i mean Mm -hmm. he's got short blonde hair as opposed to the conan look that momoa has yeah but it's tonally it's similar and i think that's probably a good place to start. and it also features again a lot of mira and she is you know she's it's it's basically the aquaman and mira book perfect and so that's a good place to start awesome um well thank you so much for doing this can you tell the people where they can find you now that they're now that we've helped them become obsessed with aquaman they can follow <laughs> you what should they do where are you <laughs> Um, well, you can basically go to our website, which is called fireandwaterpodcast.com, and it's our flagship show is the Fire and Water Podcast, which I mentioned is about Aquaman and, and Firestorm. Some shows we do a segment on Aquaman and someone Firestorm. Some shows are just about Aquaman. Some shows are just about Firestorm. It all just depends. We just recorded a show called The Many Faces of Aquaman, which talks about all the different iterations of the character over the years and how there's very many, many different versions. But you go to fireandwaterpodcast.com, and there you'll see we have – there's a bunch of us that record the two different shows, and we have shows on comic books, uh, music, movies, television, books. Uh, we cover a lot of pop culture ground, and it's it's a bunch of really great shows. So just head over there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you, Laura. This was this was terrific. This was fun, and, and we talked off air a little bit about like it's it's a podcaster's dream to be able to talk about something that they don't need to write down. Like you just, it's all in their heads. <laughs> totally. And I have been, I have had all this useless Aquaman trivia in my brain for forty years, <laughs> and it is now useful. It's your time. You're a great ambassador for Atlantis. They're very thankful for you. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for thank you for shooting the Aquaman signal in the sky, and I answered. The- I know. I can't believe it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Mermaid Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend or leave a review. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Mermaid Podcast. We will have links to all the mermaid news mentioned in this episode on our website, mermaidpodcast.com. One of the coolest things about interviewing mermaids is that we get to talk to people who are living their dream. So whether you are in New York City or elsewhere, it would be my pleasure to coach you on how to get unstuck and live your dream. So head over to fairybossmother.com to learn about our special program, Don't Quit Your Daydream. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for all of your support. And thank you to Rob Kelly. Rob, you inspire us to never quit our daydream. It's the Mermaid Podcast. We've got mermaids on the land and down below. Legs or fins, you will love our show. All the news that makes a splash is on the Mermaid Podcast.